Hello and welcome to Culture in Between, a podcast all about exploring the unique experiences of people who grew up in a culture outside of their parents' culture. We are your hosts, Alyssa and Brianna, and in today's episode, we have the honor of interviewing Anij, whose parents are from India. Anij, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to interviewing you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, truly excited to kind of talk about culture. I think it's actually been a big thing for me, not only uh, in my personal life, but also actually at work and how that's been a big thing of getting culture to grow um, inside of organizations. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll just kind of start us off by describing a little bit of how Anij and I know each other. So Anij and I used to work together at General Motors. I started back in 2014 and Anij had been there a couple of years and I was very, very green in my career and I got placed on a project with him. Anij was an architect and he would sit patiently with me for hours and help me. And so I've always been super grateful to him for that. And so he's a good guy. And so he's always very helpful and, and really helped me kind of feel like I my first project where I felt like, okay, I'm a real software developer now. <laughs> um, so Anuj, thank you so much. Yeah, so that's how we kind of know each other and we're, and we're just excited to, to get to speak with you. So do you mind maybe just providing a brief introduction of yourself for our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, my name is Anuj. Um, I'm, I've been in Texas most of my life, though I've been, been in other states. Uh, I've worked for a lot of different companies in my field. I work in tech um, and I've been an engineer and an architect and a, a leader in engineering for a long time now at different companies. All right. So Anuj, uh, obviously you are here to to talk about your cultural background. So we always like to start by asking our guests uh, where exactly in their parents' home country their parents are from. So can you tell us where exactly in India your parents are from? Yeah, for sure. So my father's side, he is actually from Uttar Pradesh or New Delhi. That's where the central region is, where the capital of India is. And that's the northern side um, a lot of his family and other things are all from that area, so um, not too uncommon. My mom's side is a bit more complicated because she's Punjabi, which is from the state of Punjab, which is also India and the northwestern side of it. But she was originally from Lahore, which is in Pakistan. So she was there and her family were there before the split happened between India and Pakistan, who were two different countries. Uh, when it was all one big one, she was on that side of the country uh, and then fortunately had to be a kind of move and leave uh, when that split happened um, and they ended up settling. I'm not sure where they settled, but they settled somewhere. And then, you know, my mom kind of was hanging out there, I guess, for a little bit, <laughs> having to leave <laughs> with her family and everything. But that's kind of the interesting culture, because most people will ask, what are you in terms of your background for, from India? Because there's so many different states and then that kind of also defines your cultural background like are you Gujarati are you Punjabi are you North Indian South Indian you know where where are you from and these kind of have these different cultural sets um, and so for me I'm kind of split I'm from this somewhat northern side that's a little bit more conservative and a little bit more on that upper tier because it's really in that high political area with New Delhi and a bunch of other things and then my mom is Punjabi which is a bit more, a little bit more of the wild side, I would say, I've been told, um, and as a little bit different cultural upset, you know, uh, understanding of things. And so I'm, I guess I'm a mutt or a mix, is what I say, even culturally, even though they're both Indian, um, yeah. even culturally, they've already got a mix, right? They're not both from the same cultural background a little bit. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, like you said, like India is such a huge country and, and um, you know, regionally diverse and everything. So so yeah, it's so true that this question is always important, but especially for India, um, I think it's very important to know exactly where your yeah. family is from because it, it's so different based on the region. So 
Very, very interesting. So how old was your mother when the partition happened between India and Pakistan? Ooh, that's a great question. I would have to calculate backwards okay. my mom's <laughs> age to find out. But I know she was young. I can't remember when the partition happened. I'm probably a bad, very bad Indian for not knowing all of <laughs> India's history. But I, I, I'm sure I could Google it. But I feel like it was somewhere between the 50s and 60s. So she must have been very young still at that time when that was happening in between. But she's, you know, it's, uh, it was kind of a little, you know, they had, I know there's a whole cultural sidestepping of launching of how that split happened and all the drama around it and everything else. But, uh, you know, unfortunately they were, they had lots of friends who were Muslim and were also helpful to help them escape and move on or get themselves shifted. And I think everything was just kind of filed back then a little bit about how all that stuff happened, unfortunately, but uh, I'm glad that they were able to make it and then she got to where they needed to be. So, yeah. And obviously, funny things about being from different regions and cultural areas and diversities. My mom has a very distinctive physical features, as do I from my mom's side, as I have that because she's from that area. So I get mistaken from being from that area as well, either being from Lahore or Pakistani or sometimes mm-hmm. something in between a Persian or depending on who you ask and what they're familiar with. Um, because mm-hmm. I have more my mom's side of features and she's from, you know, obviously her family was from that area, right? So it's not surprising versus other areas of India. Very interesting. I'm sure we'll we'll uh, delve a little bit deeper into that as we uh, go along. But first, let's start with your own upbringing and childhood. So as you mentioned, you grew up in Houston, which is, I read the other day, is like most diversity in, in the U.S., which I think People oh, really? Texas, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah cool. people outside of Texas might be surprised to hear that. I was surprised <laughs> to hear it. So can you tell us, was there an Indian community there or just, I mean, did you connect more with just a variety of cultures? How was it growing up as an Indian American there in Houston? Yeah, well, let me first preface this question with, um, I was actually born out in Louisiana. So I guess I'm a Cajun Indian, um, but I was only <laughs> a little bit, uh, maybe six months to a year. And then my father's brother was got, got sick. Maybe I think he had like a heart condition or something. So we flew back to India and I went to school there for six months and like did early schooling there for six months. They decided they didn't like that. They flew back to New York. And then I was I was in um, Queens. I was living in Queens with my family for another six months, going to school there uh, in New wow. York. So New York has a special place in my heart too. And then I started when we went decided to move to Houston um, in Texas, and I started like first grade from there on. But like up until that, I was in like three different areas, like Louisiana, India, New York. So I was in very a lot of places rapidly over a year or a year and a half time frame. Wow. Um, and I wanted to preface that because that kind of sets like okay, so I already had an international barrage of experiences in schooling and like cultural overload. And then I got to Houston and, you know, growing up in Houston, like I said, people forget how diverse it is and how many different cultures are there. It's such a big city and it's such a central hub being next to the port and the oil and gas industry and everything else that goes on. But, you know, my early days, um, you know, I always felt a little bit like an outsider. And I think that was more traditional. You, while there was a lot of diversity, you were still being slightly different enough, the majority race or ethnic, I guess, uh, a group of people in there always made you feel a little subtle that things weren't connected. But over time, by the time I got to high school or even college, it was that was less and less of a thing because so much had changed. There's more opening, you meet more people, and you tend to connect. But I remember growing up as you know, elementary, I would connect more with those that were different. Um, you naturally find the other different people and you try to say, hey, where's my group? 
this seems like a group that's also being different. Let's go talk to them. And so I met a lot of Filipino friends uh, when I was growing up. So I had Filipino friends and some friends from different parts of, um, I think they were from different areas of Africa and other ones, they would just been born there. Um, I also had other friends that were from like different European countries that we might consider as one ethnic Caucasian, but really there's a bigger demographic from Europe than you suspect that people kind of lump some, you know, we, we tend to always lump, unfortunately, by, yeah. by different areas for reasons or attributes about you. Um, but all those kind of came together. But I think I never really worried about finding my cultural heritage because one of the things to question is that while in school, there wasn't that founding, graph, you know, collaboration. I had to find my own, right? Find my other friends who I could feel I could connect with. My parents were very traditional Indian and like most cultural communities, you tend to find a community. So they would have find other Indian parents and friends with kids. And we would have a lot of family parties or get togethers, right? So where they found friends, they found people they collaborate with, whether they're from the same cultural state, background, whatever that is, how they know each other, but they found the community. The community finds itself, right? They find each other in these little pockets, um, and so there was an Indian community that was in, in Houston and had been there, which is also why my parents moved, because there was people they would know and they could kind of grow mm -hmm. with. Uh, and then we found those friends that we would, again, every Friday or some weekend, there would be, a, again, an Indian family party. We would all go and we'd all be good children while the adults <laughs> talked and gossiped and did whatever. And we would sit our corner and, and meet some new kids that we had no idea anything about. They would be different ages. And up and down, we would just play or do kid things, right? Um, and as you got older, you grew up with them, right? So they're always your family friend. And that's a term you'll probably hear from a lot of Indian Americans growing up is that we had family friends. Um, and I think everyone has those, but this was a slightly different meaning or purpose in that this was your community family friends. Like this was part okay. of the community culture rather than saying, oh, well, this is just Susan from down the street and we were family <laughs> friends and we play with your daughters. Like, yes, you were family, you were friends that grew up together because you were in the neighborhood. We're talking about cultural community family friends that bound you back to the community and the cultures and practices of whatever that community was. And that's still super, super, super common today. And I think that's not specific to Indian culture, but any culture that tends to find itself. Yes, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think my, my parents are always very good about, I, I, I don't know, we always had people who did like provided services for us or something in Miami and they were, I don't know how they found them, but it's like always oh, like a Jamaican handyman or a Jamaican hairdresser or this. And it's, it's, I was like, I don't know how you all find each other, but it's, yeah, you find their pockets and, and of people. And yeah, it's really interesting. Similar to like, we had a lot of family friends, like my, my mom and dad, they had like people who they like were th their neighbors in Jamaica or like, I don't know, that were just part of their neighborhood in Jamaica. And then like when they moved to the U S it's like, Oh, this is our, you know, this is our, like, it was like, oh, like, like nothing happened. Like, like, you know, like there haven't been years since they saw each other. It's like, now this is our family friend here in the U.S. And it's like, sometimes we had family friends who we didn't, who we would call like aunt or something. And we didn't even know that they're not really our aunt or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I totally, I totally can relate to that for sure. Yeah. Do you also have, did you also have family here when you first like moved um, Ooh, I th I think it was just my dad and mom at first, but then we had his brothers um, that also moved back, and so they were also in Louisiana with him. I think he has um, he had one one of his younger brothers was down there and that in Louisiana, and then 
Uh, when I was in high school on or through college, we had more, another brother or so. And then we had his sister's daughters come into California. So there was a lot of immigration, I guess, of people coming in into the different areas and pockets. And they also moved eventually to Houston. So we knew them in Louisiana, they were there and then we were kind of split and then they kind of came back. And, um, we, we actually had a lot of our, my dad's side of the family move to the U S. Um, but my mom's side, no, no one has ever moved from my mom's side. Um, but everyone from my dad's side has had some sort of connections or traveled in and out. That's not uncommon um, too much, but it tends to happen. You know, once you have someone with family there yeah. and they think it's great and it's like, oh, well, you wanted to come too, come on over. We'll support you or help you get, get your way down here or whatever it needs to, needs to happen. Mm, for sure. And how often do you get to, to go back and visit or if at all? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I hadn't, I haven't visited in a while. And when we were kids, we visited so much when we were young, like every summer we'd be out there. And I remember one summer I was there for two months and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, I had this old school, uh, portable video game system called the game gear, which is like ancient technology at this point. Uh, but it was a portable video games and uses on double A batteries. And I think I went through thousands of batteries in two months of just playing that cost because I had nothing to do. Cause remember when you traveled back in those days, the reason you travel is to go visit and see the sights and the sounds and restaurants and people and family. As a kid, you don't can't you can't go to a bar or go to a nice <laughs> restaurant by yourself. You're not you don't know anybody there. You know your cousins, but they're all so much older, and you were just kind of locked in the house while your parents were just there reliving two months of like their old school life, right? Of what they they grew up with and they remember. And it was obviously enjoyable for them, but for the kids, they were like, I don't know what to do. I go back to to my normal school and I have nothing to talk about. I've just been stuck here. Um, but I mean, there are other times it was very good. We went for weddings and weddings were insanely amazing and beautiful down there. Um, and food was always amazing and great. And so it was also nice to be in that cultural heritage. And it was actually very good practice when I went, when I was a kid to keep reinforcing the language. So I grew up... Um, you know, speaking both Hindi and English. And with my dad, I've always spoken English and my mom, it's always been Hindi. Uh, I don't know if that was by design or not, but it tends to be that the more formally, res formal respect you want to give, it was English. Like that's the formal, consistent, you know, well understood language you use that. If I'm speaking in Hindi, it's a very informal, very fast spoken, very loose, very whatever uh, kind of conversation. And I had that with my mom, who I'm closer with, right? And that's always been there. Even today, I still switch between languages or context, switch accordingly between them. Um, but I will say when I, after the high school and those earlier years smaller, once you get to high school age, you kind of didn't go back. You're like, well, hi, I want to go spend time with my friends. I want to go do this. I'm in college. Mm -hmm. I've got to want to go travel with other people. So I didn't go as much. I did have a, a, an ex-girlfriend that was there. So I traveled there a few more years and then maybe one other once or twice, but I haven't been back in a while, to be honest. And mm -hmm. I have lots of friends who beg me like, Oh, I'd love to go Indian and go back there. I'm like, nah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm like, it's all right. I'm like, yeah, it's all right. Uh, it's fine. I mean, there's lots of things that, I mean, the other thing that you may have also experienced with your family members is once they were here enough in a certain country, going back isn't the same. And this happens whether you're in the same country forever or you're just visiting back home. It's they're like the first question is like, this doesn't feel like the same place. Like everything has changed. Everything has changed so much and people don't dress the same. So I'm like, it's not you and it's not the country. It's the fact that life has moved on in time, right? Mm -hmm. Cultures change, fashions change, 
dialect changes. Like you just are going to miss it. And even people who've lived in the U.S., you go through your, you know, your teens and your twenties and your thirties and your forties. And by the time you're in your thirties, forties, you're like, wait, I miss. I'm no longer the cool person. Uh, everyone <laughs> yeah. else is. There's like two layers below me that are like all yeah. the current up and coming generation. Then you get you realize you're no longer the the generation, right? Because all through middle, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, and even into college, you're like the generation. Mm. usually like you're the one that everyone's like up and coming and things are all about and you're the one that gets it and that gets lost and when you talk to your parents who are from a different culture and they go back to this home and they see that happen an instant it messes with them a little bit if they haven't been back or they are consistently going back it's a combination of being older and things moving on and also some of that nostalgia yeah that makes sense but it sounds like you know you visited or you you traveled a lot uh, when you were younger so you still kind of sound like you have that tie you know you've had a lot of that experiences and stuff and so you actually kind of got into a question that we typically ask, which is like, yeah, the languages about the language. And I, I don't know if this is hyperbole or not, but I've heard that India has like hundreds of languages, I don't know, languages or di or dialects and or <laughs> dialects. Yes, yeah, like, <laughs> but, no, it's very true. And it's right. because you could go 20 feet and someone will speak it. And that's, you know, this is again, this is hyperbole. You can go 20 feet and someone will speak a different language. But I mean, yes, there'll be a huge mix of it. But it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting because if you go to Europe and you go like, Germany or France or Switzerland and like there's no national languages and things in general and you might speak multiple languages there might be some blending of dialects and because you're you maybe you're close partners with one of the other countries and your languages tend to blend in terms of usage and things and language expands and grows and changes that's just part of language but in India because everything's so culturally tied to your location it's weird that where you were born and where you live has so much impact on what cultural and what religious practices you take, what religion you may be, what your physical appearances might end up being because you were born in that area, because of who lives there and how tight that community is. Um, like everything can be so distinctly thing by where are you from, right? That question, where are you from, is so, so paramount and is almost in a unfortunate toxic way for India because of things that happened in the past with the caste system and other things. And I will be honest, I've never liked that question because when it's asked from people who are from India and not Indian Americans were born here, but just people from India, it is a very pointed question of how do I evaluate you and how should I, how should I rank you in my mental caste system that I have, that I've been trained on. And it is very, very, Unfortunately, very demeaning and very thing, but things you have no control about, but it is very right. much like that. So your language, if you go and speak to someone in the Australian language, they can pick up the dialect. They say, well, you're probably from so-and-so. And, you know, all those guys, they just drink a lot. Or those people, they're real lazy. Like, it's just always negative stereotype. No one's like, well, those people are the sweetest, one of the most wonderful people ever. If you see them, they're great. Like, you don't ever hear positive uh, I hate to say stereotypes. It's always like a negative thing. And while stereotypes always come from some truth or some broad sense, it really comes down back to the human psyche of saying, I need to classify. It's classification. Mm. And that is a innate, built-in, instinctive response to how we survive as any creature and all creatures. We will become better educated and intelligent to know that that is not, while that is the first internal response, we then go to the next question of, yes, I have some understanding of the stereotypes and I know things about them. What can I now validate and how can I actually know who this person is? Because this is an individual, not a group, not a right. stereotype, not a classification of a group. And I go beyond that uh, question of where are you from and who are you? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Then that's, all, that's funny. You kind of covered that because that's that's another question we typically have on our list is like, yeah, do you get asked that? Where are you from? And then how do you respond? But it sounds like almost... 
it kind of depends on who asks you that. Cause like you're saying, if it's like a, a person from India asking you that, it, there's usually this connotation kind of like maybe size you up or understand, but like, um, yeah, I guess if somebody yeah. from like America asks you that, is that a different response or does yes, it? Yeah, it is. And I get it all the time too. And it's a totally different work or <laughs> irritation, but like, and I mean, I say this, you know, I say it's irritation, but I think it's the, it's well, I'll come back to this part, but being questioned on who you are, what you are is always so demeaning and, and feels like you're less worth. It's always makes you feel self worth less. Anytime someone asks you is like, where are you from? It feels like a, a question of why do you need to know? What does that matter? Right. You always want to question like, why does it matter? Like it's not saying that someone, if you're traveling, it's a different thing. If you're traveling across the country, like, Hey, where are you from? Like, oh, I'm from Texas. I'm totally fine. Like except a question. You never feel like there's this burden of like, I need to qualify you in some way or quantify everything about you. But when I was growing up in, you know, Houston and stuff like that, or any other place and I was, it doesn't matter who it was. And someone that was not ethnically Indian of origin or, or background, or maybe Pakistani or whatever it might be, or that in that area, usually it was a question like, I don't know what to call you or understand about you. I'm trying to understand mm-hmm. a little bit about what you are, where, where you come from. Uh, and then they layer it, they, depending on who they are, what their intentions are, they could layer in the stereotypes or expectations, or they could move on to just say, oh, well, that's that's interesting. Tell me more about that. I want to learn about that culture. Um, and then some people just didn't, didn't really matter. They're just like, who are you? What what are you? You know, what do I know about you? I don't really yeah. know anything else. Right. Because right. who wants to, because you're like, you know, 10 years old, the last thing one is a history lesson. Someone's like demographic. I'm like, I just want to play, like, see if you want to do off, you know, get some lunch together or like maybe go play some games. I don't really need to know the whole history. Um, but the, what are you, um, especially when I get asked from other people, they're from also other Asian cultures, um, like from Asia or from other, sometimes in, uh, even if they're different ethnicities from the U S coming in again, they'll, they'll say the questioning correctly. Like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from, oh, I'm from Austin. I'm like, no, no, no. Where, where are you from? I'm like, well, I mean, I, well, I'm from the East side of, you know, West Austin, I guess, or maybe I'm from Texas. I'm like, well, no, where are your, where's your family from? Oh, okay. Well, they're from Houston. And I do this game <laughs> constantly because I know what they were asking, but right, I right. love to mess with them. And I would just, or, cause I like, you're asking her really in a, you're asking a question that can come up very inappropriate or rude, um, even if you don't know, because you're targeting a very specific thing rather than just saying like, oh, let me tell me more about your background or history or what culture or ethnicity. Really, the question is, like, what's your ethnicity? Right. But no one says that. People ask, like, where are you from? Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, oh, well, my parents are from Houston. I'm like, OK, well, no, where did they come from? Well, they came from uh, they came from the ground because that's where all things come from. And then you just keep messing with them. And like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what? Well, are, what language do they speak? Will they speak, are they, do they speak uh, Hindu? I'm like, no, that's a religion. Hindi is the language you're looking for, but that's not even the correct one. Like it could be this language or eight other thousand different languages. Like what, what do you want to know, right? Yeah. What do you try to get to? And the question they hate, and they basically get tired. And this is me if I'm just having a bad day. <laughs> I just really want to mess with someone. But like, I, but I know with them, but eventually I'll be like, yes, I'm Indian. Congratulations. <laughs> you found, figured me out. I'm Indian. You couldn't tell what I was. Apparently this was super important, but here you go. Um, uh, but you know, but like, it didn't really matter because again, there's nicer ways to ask that question of somebody sure. like, Hey, what's okay. your ethnicity? Um, and sometimes, especially nowadays, there's such a multi-ethnicity background. I would feel even worse for someone that's multi-ethnic. Like, well, 
my parents Indian and my or my mom is Indian, but my dad's from like Poland. And like, what do I tell you? Where do I what do I put on the form of what your ethnicity is? Like, do I just say Asian? Do I say multi-race? Like it gets more and more weird, right? Especially than it had been yeah. like very clear, I guess, segmentation that people want to have. But again, this is person wrong for asking the question. Generally, no. And again, most people don't have such bad intent. They're not having negative bad intentions yeah. around it. But some people do, and some people also want to know a very specific thing because, again, that lets them know how they should approach you. It's that instinctive mm. response of, I need to know what stereotypes to apply. And growing up in Texas uh, and being slightly lighter skinned than most, um, than some Indians that might be from a different area or whatnot, but just 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 barely, um, I get mistaken for being Hispanic constantly. And so I have the fun, I have the fun thing of being mistaken to whatever I will say general brown person might be of the area so i just came back from costa rica everyone thought i was costa rican 100 like absolutely you're costa rican i went to europe i was in france people thought i was french because black hair slightly tan skin that's french like 100 and like no no not not french but i speak french i could i could talk to you and they're like yeah you must be french because people kept talking to me in french they kept thinking it was a french person <laughs> then i go to italy on everyone's like italian right I look italian oh absolutely dark brown hair hairy chest arms like <laughs> tan skin like you're 100 italian absolutely because who they are used to seeing as people from india is actually different um a lot of indians that they see in europe or those areas are from a different sometimes area or perspective of india and they have um unfortunately sometimes they're a lot of the lower class and they're escaping and immigrating which is not uncommon right like how many times do you go to mexico and see well the richest people here are just Flowering to the U.S. Like, yeah, they're probably buying houses, but you're probably not going to see them. They're not working at at the you know at different places that you might see them that you might have expect. Unfortunately, stereotypical expectations of right. Mm-hmm. And so, I did not match their description of what an Indian person was, and so they had to assume I was something something else in all these places. Even in Costa Rica, as I found in a month ago, a ton of Indian people have started traveling there, and I don't look like them, and so they don't think they think I'm Costa Rican because I'm not the type of Indian that comes. So. This mixed unknown identity problem mm-hmm. comes into play a lot by purely your physical appearance, regardless of that. And then sometimes it could be the problem of, well, who, who am I? Do I fit in anywhere? And you start to question yourself. Uh, and I'm sure you have some questions about that too, which I'll, I'll answer. But this, you really start to have this self-identity problem. Yeah. I don't know what I am. I don't know who I am or where I belong. Yeah. And then I get questioned of why, who, what I'm supposed to be by everybody. Like, what are you? <laughs> you just get into like, I'm tired. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Would you like me? To I'm tired. Yes. So yeah, I, I totally can relate. And I, and yeah, I've, I used to get asked that more when I was growing up and it used to, because we like to just see what cause some guests are like, I don't mind. And some people are like, yeah, it bothers me. And it used to bother me a lot when I was younger, but not so much now anymore. But like, it, it sounds more like it's, it's, you want them to just kind of, like get to the gist, right? Like, what do you really want to know? Like they they're trying to ask it, but not really kind of. Yeah, they're, they're playing games. They're being, they're being shy, but instead of being just direct, like, what would you actually like to know? And saying, I need to know your ethnicity so I know how to judge you. And that second half may not need to be there, but at some point they need to know the ethnicity because something about them needs to understand to, to reconcile. But it's like kind of like, if you saw a fruit, you're like, well, I need what kind of fruit is? It? I need to know if I if is it a fruit? Is it really a, is it really a fruit? What is it a vegetable? What if it's a piece of meat? I don't know what it is, right? Again, it's this classification thing. Um, and while you're all humans and you're all people, and you can judge someone's like relative, you might be able to guess their age or um, you know maybe some other things about them. But it's again, it's a I think it comes from an instinctive threat response, right? Of 
we understand and evaluate threats constantly because it's part of our survival instinct. And so we are always wanting to know what is that? And then is that good or bad? Or is this okay? Or is it fine? Or do you need to find more information? Now, depending on how you've grown up, some people have zero threat. They're like, everyone's always been my friend. I've never had a bad experience in my life. It's like a dog. My dog think everyone's his best friend. No <laughs> one's an enemy. My other dog who was abandoned and like was running around San Antonio, I was like, Ooh, I don't know about that dog. I don't feel it. Like I had, I got attacked by a, this type of dog. I don't want, I don't want to do that. Or I don't know about this yeah. person. And like, there's these trauma responses. And so right or wrong, you can't control what people have experienced, unfortunately, about something you had no, no impact to, but someone might've had, um, unfortunately, a bad experience with someone of your ethnicity or background or type or even gender or whatever it may be. And you can't control that. You can only be the best person you are and being uh, accommodating and being like, this is, I probably can't be friends with them because they seem to be fearful of me. Maybe this is not going to work out. Or we're best friends because we just don't care and it's never really been a thing, but you never know. Very interesting. So this has been so interesting to hear, I guess, how they answer differently to that. So but yeah, that's very cool. I just wanted to go back to that point of that you brought up about how like people are becoming so much more mixed, you know, and multiracial. And, and I mean, we've, we've seen that in our own lives is that we are Jamaican, but our mother is Chinese Jamaican. So we're like this weird mix. And also my dad has some mixture in his background as well, even though he doesn't look it as much as my mother does. So yeah, so it's that whole thing of like not knowing what box to choose is something that we've discussed before. And and yeah, and that's that's totally real and relatable. And I think, like you said, a, a lot more people, are, especially in recent years, can relate to that because there has been just with globalization more, mm-hmm. more mixture and more like, really crazy mixture that you wouldn't even think oh, yeah. of. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's totally true. But I want to ask you about, because you said also that when you go to different countries, a lot of people don't view you as what they think of as an, an Indian person mm-hmm. should look like. So when you go to India, do people view you as an Indian person or are they like? <laughs> oh, man, no, that that actually was more of a traumatic thing for me. And that caused that self-worth issue. So growing up, I would always get the who are you or what are you? And I was never considered an American by some people because I was like, well, you're you're not white. So you can't be an American. I'm like, that's you know how long Chinese people have been in the US or black people or anybody else? Like, what are you talking about? There's been Indians and in other cultures for so long, but. In their world, they had, if you weren't a certain type of culture or or like part of their culture they knew, you couldn't have been from here because that's not what they see on TV or movies or other things or even in their hometown or, or the people they spent time with. And I'll come back to that because a little bit more detail on that one. But if that was the case, that always made me feel like I didn't belong. Um, but I could have, but I had better success with those. Still, I could have better success in intermingle. However, the Indian Americans that were like me, we always felt like, well, we didn't quite belong in that culture because we were Indian, but we weren't quite Americans, even though we were born here. So we were Americans, but our parents were first gen. And so we still had some resistance of not being culturally mixed in. I go to India, absolutely every single person knows I'm not from there, right? hundred percent. I don't belong there either because they know from my accent and my dress and where I'm from that I'm clearly a vacation Indian that that's there in you know, there's always this unfortunate uh, joke, you know, that had been around since the 90s or, or probably even longer. Than, I don't know, maybe longer than that. But being fresh off the boat, right? Being a fresh immigrant was always like the negative stitch we said to anyone who came in that wasn't born here. If you're born here, you were like a little higher stature because you could claim closer to being part of the 
American culture or being part of that. And that could, that could separate you from the weird people that might be made fun of, unfortunately, or being picked on or being bullied or whatever it might be. Well, those people got so frustrated too. And they came up with their own names and they had their own names. Like, oh, well, you're just a silly American born Indian, which is called ABCD. And you probably heard that term. It is common. No, there's even movies on that. It's a joke, but that was the counter, the counter slur to people who were born in America and that they were, they were Indians, but they were confused because they were born in America. They just don't understand the history of the culture. They don't know anything about what's real India and the real things because they just never not from here. They're not the real part of us, right? There's a little bit different. It was the counterculture. So when you go over there, everyone thinks you're that. Everyone knows you're not the same. And so you don't belong to either culture. You don't, you're not Indian enough for the Indian people because you weren't born there. And you're not American for the American people, even though you were because you just don't look like them sometimes, or you didn't have the right culture. And what I have seen change is that back when I grew up, way, way back in the day, before uh, growing up, um, is while those those cultures were people that might have been unknown to Indian people or have seen them, um, because maybe their family friends just never had an Indian friend. They just didn't have anybody. They weren't neighbors with them. They weren't this or that. Like There just wasn't a blending. I went to school in Houston where everyone blended because it was such a large public school. And there's so many people in those areas that you had a blend of almost every race possible. And they all blend and you had to interact and you had to find a community and you had to find people. And it was more often than not that you blended with multiple people of multiple races because that's what was there. There wasn't a, oh, well, we're not X, Y, or Z. Um, and therefore we stuck together and this stuck together. Like you were more willing to open because you kind of learned you had to. You didn't always work, always going to be friends with every single Filipino friend that was in my high school or every single um, African-American or black person that was there or every single Indian person that was there. You'd have different cliques just like anybody else, but you learn to adapt to that nature. And what I've seen over time is as I've gotten older and it, which is nice to know is I've seen more and more people blended and having more of those relationships with other diversities of any kind of diversity. And as that has changed over the last 10, 20, 30 years, it's very apparent that more and more people have friends from different diversities, and that opens their mindset, and it becomes more common. And I would say in the last 10 years, for those who are really at the final end of the millennials and the Zoomers coming up, right, like they have absolutely no concern of idea about like race or mix or anything. Like they're so far beyond that. Like that's not even a thing that can be clicked. They're all into other things that we're still struggling with the millennials and even previous generations of understanding and acceptance, right? Like the, the movement has gone. And people are moving forward. And that means the blending has happened of more acceptance across the board and race and things like that. And ethnicity of where are you from? I never get that asked that from anyone that's below the age of 30, maybe 25. Anyone below the age of 25, no one's ever asked me, where are you from? They don't care. They never ask. It's just like, it's not important. Why would it be important? What does it matter? You ask people who are 40 and up or 30 and up or 35 and up. Um, you might still hear it, but definitely 40 enough for sure. People will ask, where are you from? You know, where have you been from? Because it's so common in their cultural things. Ask that question because they're not sure. Um, so I think anyway, that's my long answer question for that. Um, but I think it's uh, something I've seen. And kind of keeping on this theme of like mixtures of cultures, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, your your mother and father are from completely different parts of, of India. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm wondering, is is that common at all? I feel like from what yeah. I've kind of, hmm. yeah, from what I've kind of heard about 
you know, marriages in India, a lot of, you know, a lot of times you want it to kind of stay within. Yes. Yeah. And that kind of thing. So that was kind of the bane of my existence trying to date the other Indian women most of my (laughs) early life in college. Like it's, it was, I'm not, I I wish I could say I was joking, but it really was, but it was hard, but you're right. Um, You know, my parents meeting that were from different cultural sides, like is not I wouldn't say it was uncommon. Like it happens for sure, but like it wasn't like a huge ooh my god, someone from a different state married. And it's like saying someone from Texas married someone from Oklahoma. Like what? Why is that a big deal? Who cares? But there's such a cultural difference. You know what I mean? Like around it. So you know, and their families, my mom and my dad's family is like they know each other exist, but they're not like best buds or anything like that. And, and they have different cultural things, and um, and they all talk crap about each other for different reasons because they're from so and so and this from this. And my mom will talk crap about like, oh yeah, your dad's. Family, they're, you know, they're XYZ stereotype slur. I don't remember. I don't even know how to, if I can say it or pronounce it correctly, but like she'll say some Indian stereotypical slur. I'm like, you know, they're all like this and they're all really blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, mom, like, is this the same okay? I feel like you're saying something kind of racist or stereotypical. I mean, it's obviously we're the same race, but like, I don't know, something seems wrong here. Uh, I don't know if that's appropriate, but like, here we go, right? Like, absolutely. They have their still tension. They have this still classification and like understanding of how they want to generalize the population because the truth is humans are very, very, very bad at trying to remember how every individual works. There's just too much to remember and, and understand. So we're very good at just saying, well, in general, this group and this classification or this whatever behaves like this. Mm-hmm. We can accept that much. It's also why you don't have, you might, you, you know, you max out about 100, 150 people, I think. And they say the organizations of how many people you really get to know really well. So around 150 people you can be close with, right? It's the general rule. Beyond that, you're just not going to have time to worry about every single person's nuances and things like that in between. And I think the same thing happens when you think about all the variety and the mixtures and the cultures and the dialects. You just say, nope, this group, that just like that. And you make a you know, sly little joke. And my mom will say that all the time. Whenever she was mad at my dad, to be fair, she would just make this comment or she'd say something or whatever. And it was, you know, they go back and forth. And my dad would make fun of my mom because of her background and whatever. And it was... It was endearing, but it was also like kind of funny. And I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's pro- appropriate anymore to do these things, but like, it's okay. Um, so I think, yeah, it was a little strange growing up, but you're right with marriages. And when I was trying to date, um, the amount of questions I would get like, well, where's your family from? Because that was the defining factor. And if your family, mm-hmm. I'll pick on, I had a lot of Gujarati friends uh, growing up in Houston, and there's a big population of that there. And in, you know, a lot of Gujarati people marry people from Gujarat because they try to keep that community keep growing and blowing it. Like, and they marry from Gujarati to Gujarati and marrying a non-Gujarati to another Punjabi. Ooh, that's a little questionable because, you know, we do, our marriage cultures are totally different. And even if you're in Gujarat, there could be lots of variants of like how that family has done it for years and traditions. And and this family lives, you know, 200 feet away is a totally different tradition and they've done that for years. And like, yeah. they've got to come to agree of how the marriage is going to happen. Right. And like, what needs to be. So when you have this cross culture, it's almost like marrying another religion, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're almost marrying another religion because your, your customs are different. And so here's where it's interesting. Well, you might see people say, well, all they're, well we're both the same religion, right? We're both, uh, I'll pick on Hinduism. We're both Hindu. Cool. Yeah, but your family practices it so differently than my family practices it. So it's almost like sex um, or denominations like in Christianity. Like you practice it. Yeah, we're the same religion, kind of, sort of. But we have so many different customs that are not from religious reasons, but purely from geographical reasons and 
the culture that has evolved there around that, that splits of how it keeps us separated or keeps us, I guess, not separated, but also something unique, right, of what we need to kind of value. And so, again, those things can get combined and build, build together and, and do whatever, but it depends if you want to, right? If you really, if that doesn't really matter to you, and, and obviously people, my parents didn't care and people still do this today, then it's fine. And other people are absolutely super strict, like, sorry, I can't. My parents said, you weren't born at 12.04 on the midnight of this day. And it didn't have, I'm not even joking. That was a real thing that happened. People really? were like, oh, oh, yeah. My mom was like, yeah, what time of day were you born? And this thing and this astrological sign and this thing. Wow. Astrology is huge in Indian culture about where you were and then what cast were you? And then was this thing and that thing. Oh. Who's your family? Was your dad this? And what is your job? And like, blah, 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 blah. blah. I just got so tired of it. Yeah. Uh, and it was just so frustrating <laughs> for a while. I just got like, I'm done. I'm moving on. Um, and it was always a challenge. And also, you know, Indian cultures, a lot of like most Asian cultures, I think, too, have all expectations on your the broader community and reputation or family reputation than the individual. Whereas in America, we're all about the individual. And in Asian culture, it's very more about the family. And I think also in other places as well. Right. And so if you weren't the right level or expectation that your families were being married, because that's what was really happening, your families were being combined, not just you, but your families were being combined. Sometimes it didn't work. Even if you loved each other or things were, you know, you wanted to be together, that just didn't happen. And it's unfortunate. And I think some of that softened, to be honest. I think a lot of things modernized. People kind of got off over some of that, but some of it's not. And again, because it depends on how culturally strict you want to be and how your family has raised you and what your expectations are. And that's neither right nor wrong. I think, I think it just depends if you accept that or not. Um, and, you know, you could be born in a very strict form and go opposite, or you could be, very not strict and people go the other way, right? It happens all the time. People can become more whichever way they want to be, depending on what they think they need. Wow, that's so interesting to me. How like geographically they could be fairly close to each other, but it's so different traditions and things. So that's, that's really, really interesting. So like, so we saw, and I don't know if you've seen this movie and there was this, it's kind of like a documentary thing we watched on from Amazon Prime. It was called like Meet the Patels. And, and it was this guy talking about, he was trying to date an Indian American guy and he was a Patel and he was talking about how the Patel like name and what that represents. And, and there was this like, you know, he was, I think he was like in his 30, I don't know what age he was, but his parents were like, when are you going to get married? Like, when are you going to, all these kind of things, you know, that you get asked after a certain age and, and all this stuff. And, and so he agreed to let, they were like, let us do this. What's the database thing called? Biodata. Oh, biodata, yeah. yeah. Biodata is the term. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Biodata. And, and I was just so amazed. I was like, there's no way this is a thing. I was like, this is, the, <laughs> it really, okay, so that's my question. Is it like, he was talking, it just was basically a documentary on his life and then he's letting his parents do that for him for like a year and a half or something like that. And he ended up not, I think, finding anybody. But um, yeah, I just was curious. Like, I almost didn't believe it. Like, is there, that there's webs. Go to IndianMatrimony.com and any <laughs> Indian dating website. They all say, can I have your biodata? And it is a joke. Like, it's a meme. Because for anyone here, like saying when everyone says biodata, like we say it in the like, I have to say like in a very stereotypical way, like to help put the accents on the word to make it sound like someone from there would say it again, out of the humor and jest, right? Like not to be mean, but it's like, oh, do you have your biodata? And we're like, this has been there since I was in high school like, forever. It is a thing. It is a, it is a full historical, like almost like your, uh, your um, entire family background and like, wow. They're like, well, who's your family? What do they do? What's their job? What family, where were they born? Where was this? Where were you born? What is your cast? What's your, like everything about you and your family to judge whether or not you've got the right attributes that qualify to meet the bar for our daughter or son to marry you, right? Like mm -hmm. I need your full biodata to make sure all the things align. 
and all the things are here and all the things look good because like well they're they've, their family is from the right area but you know they practice this religion now okay well they're the right religion and they're the right caste and they're born in the right area but they'll but they don't have they were born in the wrong time so the astrological <laughs> signs aren't going to match up the bible oh is bad gosh. you're gonna have a horrible marriage they'll get divorced <laughs> like all these things about superstition my mom my mom is by the way super superstitious so I have some of that from her. And Indian culture, Indian in India, superstition is super big, like super, super big. So this bio data is like your qualification sheet. It is like going to a job interview times 10 because it is like things you have no control over are being judged for how you were born and what you were born into, which I, I think most people disagree. Is like you shouldn't be judged on something you weren't born into that no control over. But we obviously, everyone does this and everyone has some of it. And right or wrong, it's part of that. And this was this qualification scheme of getting that. Yeah. So it is a very real thing. It sucks. <laughs> it's also why I didn't get to date certain women because I remember a friend, I live in college. She's like, oh, I have a really, I have a girl. She might be interested in single available. But like, what cast are you from your family? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I never asked that. I don't know what that is. I never thought about it. It's never come up. I've never had a girl ask me that from even if they were Indian or if I called like asking what my caste was if that was a blocker. They asked me if I was Indian, like were you Hindu or were you kind of religious or not, or maybe something like that. But I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, whatever you want. Like, sure. And never the, the, the caste that had never come up. And then I have to go ask my mom, like, mom, what's your caste? Like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right, it's this one. And then I I I get it. And I told her, I'm like, well, I'm this. And she's like, oh, that's not they, they wow. won't do that because it's it would divulge the quality or the casting because they would be going down one. I think they were the top cast, which okay. are Brahmins, and we were just underneath, and that wasn't enough. Like that was like, oh no, that's got to be Brahmin to Brahmin because religiously <laughs> that means you are here, and spiritually uh -huh. that's that qualification. So going down means you're going some whatever. You're not you're not the right thing. Um, obviously, people still marry intercaste, but it's such a weird thing, and yeah, um, not look good upon. But like, yeah, it was it was such a headache, and honestly. I'll be honest, I kind of stopped dating any women after that. <laughs> after like 20 years, 25 years of dealing with this, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of having to keep proving myself that I'm right. good enough to be acceptable to date. Because funny enough, and this is actually might be related. So I told you I'm in tech, right? So back when I was dating the olden days, because again, I feel like I'm ancient now. You're um, not on edge. Oh. I know I'm not. <laughs> but I feel, always feel like I'm ancient. I hang around like 25 year olds and 30, 30 year olds all the time. So I feel like I'm young at heart. Um, and so I... Uh, what happens was like, I was not good enough because the number one job profession back in 2000, 2010, for a long, in that time period, it always been doctor. Like if you were a doctor, you were like, God, you were the best option because it was guaranteed money. It was super respected in the community of all communities of Indian people. Like you have to be a doctor. Being a doctor was the best profession. It didn't matter if you made a dollar a day or a million dollars a month. Like it didn't care. It wasn't about the money. Well, the money was always a thing. It was just the fact that you had this culturally accepted that even the most simplest of people from all levels, because you could say, my son's a doctor, my daughter's a mm -hmm. doctor. Everyone would accept this. And everyone would recognize how amazing and such a great career and a good career that was to help other people and save lives. And like, this was the purest, best thing. And also the money really mattered. It was really cool. <laughs> and like, that was really important. And it kept financial security and safety. And so being a doctor was always a profession. My parents were so upset. Even when I graduated college with a computer science degree, after I graduated, like two days later, like, you know, if you still want to be a doctor and like, I'm like, I just graduated. I just got a degree. They're like, yeah, but what are you going to do with this computer science thing? I was just computer stuff. Who knows? I was like, you should you try to be a doctor and maybe, oh you know, God. that, that could bring, you know, could get you married and like, it might be a better profession. I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm sorry. 
I'm just going to these computer things that I don't know. I think they're going to be popular later <laughs> one day. Uh, maybe we'll see. I guess I'll just keep fixing them. And then watching over the years, like watching the two, 2000, you know, all the tech booms and all the explosions. And like today being in tech is like the godsend. For, I, I mean, I don't know if it's still the highest, but I'd say it's definitely, if not the highest, probably the second highest. Being in tech is like so well respected of making money and a financially stable mm-hmm. job. And so well that like it's being in tech is now acceptable. Being working in tech is acceptable. You don't have to be a doctor if you work in tech, it's a good, but I got turned down from a lot of friends um, that I was interested in or like looking to date or other people because I worked as, I was a computer scientist. So like, that's not a job. That's not gonna be any money. <laughs> you need, you're not a doctor. Like, I had a friend, a really good friend of mine. She's like, well, my parents, and this is real. She's like, well, my parents said, first we go look for a doctor. And if you can't find any doctors, then we'll go to lawyers. And if you can't find any lawyers, then we'll go to this. And then we'll go to this. And then like fourth or fifth down, like we might accept an engineer. Like we might accept engineering. And I'm wow. like, cool. I'm so far from dating you. This sucks. And I was like, <laughs> oh. I was like, oh no, I'm never going to make it. I just not anywhere near anything. Okay. Um, but like, you know, anyway, that's, that is a very real thing. Like I said, uh, so biodata and history, it's, you know, is this still matter today? Yes, it does. It's still so huge part. Mm. Um, but am I going to date someone as an Indian American and worry about someone with the biodata? No. Do I know people who are, especially women, I'll say this, who are much closer to generally their parents and want to meet their parents' expectations more than guys. I'll say guys and they don't care as much, but the women generally care much more about being, to do what's right with their parents, what really want to make them happy. And I'm like, why, who cares? You're going to die anyway. I should say, (laughs) do your thing. I'm a very independent person, Um, but, but they do. And then they will try to try to find the expectations that make that think they're going to have like a good life and make sure the families come together because they they are very close. Right. So it makes sense. Wow. There, there are so many like venues I could go down based on what you said, but like, first of all, thank you for uh, debunking that. Oh, I mean, I figured it was true. Like it seemed like a, a real documentary and everything. I just was like, I just almost couldn't believe it. Cause I was like, wow, that's kind of, on one hand, I was like, that's kind of interesting that like your parents have, like, there's like this huge database of things, but like, I totally understand now why you feel so strongly, I think about not getting at, like not liking getting asked the question of like, where are you from? Because I, I feel like throughout so many different aspects of culture is like you are constantly being like assessed right whether it's your, out of your so that totally like now that you've explained like it, it makes a lot of sense yeah the assessing really hurts um if you want to watch another not a documentary but that's also very accurately funny is go on netflix and watch never have i ever it is very close to one never, have I, never have I ever it's about an indian girl that's growing up with an indian culture family in the u.s and okay. the dynamics of being an indian american in the u.s while dealing with very culturally appearance right and it is very accurate and it is very funny and it is a very well done job my ex-girlfriend was watching it to learn more about me and i'm like yeah it's <laughs> legit i'm not even gonna lie like a lot of this stuff is pretty there and it's very funny and it's a great show i think the new season just came out um, okay. i have no ties to the show so i'm not promoting it but i'm just letting you know it's a okay. never have I ever watch it on netflix i'm writing it down <laughs> great if you want to watch more about indian culture and it actually also overlays with just Asian culture. So not just South Asian, but also Asian. It's a very similar family dynamic. Just like staying on the topic of like films. It's I mean, this is a much lighter film that doesn't delve as deeply into these topics. But we watched, do you remember, Alyssa, we watched a movie on Netflix called Wedding Season. Yes. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was a similar kind of general topic of this girl's turning 30 or something and her parents want her to get married. And so they like, her mom kind of like writes her bio, bio data for her and like makes up some stuff. And then like she ends up being with this guy who also kind of made up stuff. And 
it was uh, yeah, that was more was, of a, sat- not a satire but a comedy version yeah it's it, like a more of like a like a light, a light yeah, romantic yeah. comedy but it kind of touched on similar themes of, of mm-hmm. how important like appearances are and and yeah it's like you know because it ended up being that they were both kind of lying but the guy especially was lying about who he was clear yeah. his you mean he wasn't a six three tall guy <laughs> on his bumble profile? I mean, I, it's funny how that also relates to people online dating today, which is a whole separate topic. But if you think about it, everyone has a little bit of fake biological data because we're being judged and assessed on things that we have again no control over a lot of times. But mm-hmm. you know, you get a photo and you get your bio data effect on Bumble or Tinder, and this is it. Now, obviously, the Indian version is so in depth, but you kind of it's kind of like going on a competition. And you're like, how do I beat this test? Because if I don't meet this test, I don't get in. So I know I don't live, fib or lie. I'm not going to get there. And I remember when my parents signed up me for these Indian matrimonial sites. And they, my dad put in my diary. And I'm like, dad, why did you put in this? Like, you misspelled half the words. It <laughs> makes me look like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, he just was horrible. He had no, his very poor communication skills on writing. <laughs> Unfortunately, in English. But like, he was just having a horrible, within the bio data, I'm like, well, their parents are going to read it. And it was always funny because you knew the girls, it wasn't the girls whose profiles up there, it was the parents. The parents mm. were dating each other, right? The parents were looking at the biodatas and checking each other, not the people. We never had no idea until they said, look, here's a picture. We want you to talk to this girl. Go, go say hi. And that was it. Like, that's as far as we get to go. So fast. Like you said, there's so many different avenues we could go in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we won't keep you here forever. But yeah, yeah. no. It's yes, all right. I can keep answering questions as long as you want. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, but this has been this has been fun for me too. And I like I said, I have a lot of perspectives about that concept of why yeah. we ask the question, where are you from? And yeah. the human psychology around it, right around it. And I think it very deeply, it still is about the fact of we innately need to know how to assess people so we can classify and then judge how that reflects to our past experiences and know how to approach good or bad, right or wrong. And I think that the real choice for humanity is eventually like all people is to take that breath and say, ah, I, I am, I'm making judgments and assessments and that's okay. We don't have to be like, don't ever make a stereotype. Don't ever think that they're true. I think that's unrealistic and not really how our brains or bodies work. I think the thing is accepting that, yes, I'm going to have this instinctual response now let me move beyond that because instincts isn't how we grow or show our intelligence. You know, as a society, I might be hungry. That doesn't mean I stick my hand into the donut case at Krispy Kreme and steal the donut and eat it because, like, well, I was hungry. Like some people do that, but that's not really right. Like, hey, I should probably pay for that. I should think about these things and, and like have some thought process about what I would like to do to get to this donut. But I think with people, we haven't really given them the tools to think about that either. We just assume it happens naturally. And I think those that are growing up in a culture that is where they are not the majority and they have more diversity to deal with, they are more prone to being pushed to figure out how to handle and approach the pressure and the burden that comes on top of them, but also then how to then reflect and then reach out to others in a more amicable way, right? Which is why you'll see more smaller diversity groups easier for them to interact because they go through similar um, journeys really through that process. Very interesting. Yeah. There's so many, so many ways I could go there, but I've, I've kind of gotten to that before. Like, yeah, how like I said, didn't like the question before, but it doesn't bother me so much. Actually, it doesn't really bother me that much now. I think it's just curiosity, but yeah, but it caused me a lot of cultural and identity issues growing up. Cause I was like, I'm Melissa. What do you mean? Like, I realized like, okay, what they mean is like, yeah, how do you look? And my mom is a lot fairer than me. And so people would ask are you adopted? What is, and I was like, why are people, and then you realize at a very young age, the color of my skin and, or how I am perceived is, is a very big deal. And like that, it, 
And so that makes you realize like, oh, okay. Like, you know, and so, yeah, it, so I totally get it. Like it doesn't bother me that much anymore, but I totally understand why it would as well. Um, and I try to be, if I, if I am, sometimes I am curious about somebody I see, like ask it in a very just like direct way. Like, Hey, like, it, you know, like I can tell by your name, like this, but like just, and I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but like, I try to just be more, not beat around the bush about it and just be like, Hey, like, how do you, you know, I'm just curious, like as a, as a fellow child of immigrants, like are your parents from a different country as well? Or they could be, but you may not know that, but like growing yeah. up in Texas, if you weren't quote unquote light skinned or white, you were just assumed to be from somewhere else. I'm like, mm. again, you know, people have been that are not white skinned here for like <laughs> generations, you know, Mexico is like two feet away. Right. Like we, then there was people here that had been there for generations yeah. upon generations upon generations. Like, well, what do you think that someone would, if a different skin would just have to be from somewhere else. And again, it's their perception. Yeah. Whether right or wrong or how it happened through influences, not not seeing or being pushed into diversity or knowing that those people exist and putting them in the shadows makes it feel like those people aren't there. And you start to question, where could you have come from? Right. Um, where, why are you here? You're intruding in this space that I know this boundary and now you're something that's different. I don't know what that is or why. Mm-hmm. And it's also why I... I think, you know, there's always been this big push in, in culture and media to get more ethnic, diverse, ethnic diversity in those media. And there's been a big push with Asian films and Korean films and now Indian people. But you never really saw Asian or South Asian actors, right? Very rarely. Mm-hmm. It was always been there. And there's a lot of contentions about people being swapped out uh, for certain characters into and being whitewashed, I think, you know, or basically swapped in and things like that. I'm like, why would you not get an ethnically correct character to play that character and there's all these right. things around that but right. even if you didn't have all that to not show that a real workspace has different cultures and people and it isn't shown reality right now again their reality might have been different and might that might have been accurate but in most places that are working in certain fields or industries it is ethically diverse and so i love the show silicon valley because it shows an actual accurate verification of what a real tech company would look like with the right diversities and other shows and things that have the same thing and I think as more and more that came, people's understanding of people exist and there are these things has changed, right? And that's definitely changed for this generation that's coming up. Um, but you know, I think that's I think that's a positive feedback that is slowly eroding the question of where are you from, yeah. and instead, who are you? Yeah, I see that. I understand the slight the differences that you're talking about. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like I think in media and stuff. I've been seeing more of an influx of Asians being represented in like Shang-Chi uh, first, like real, is that Marvel? Bri- I'm so bad. I think it's Marvel. First, like Asian Marvel superhero. And I was like hearing him talk, uh, the actor talk about how, what a profound impact that had on him was so cool because he talked about how there's not a lot of people who look like him. And, and so I, I just thought that was so great that like, you know, finally in mainstream movies like that, we're seeing being represented as heroes. Yeah, it's crazy. And you'd be like, there's obviously been people that are heroes and things like that, but why have we never seen them as much? And it's why I think, unfortunately, you know, I keep getting at the point that people not having their perspectives or or have knowing of people like that because maybe they weren't your neighbors or whatever. But when you think about certain neighborhoods where there's such a dominance of one majority and the only interaction you have is media and media portrays mm-hmm. a certain race in a certain way, that is what you assume and feel. And I mean, if all you hear about certain ethnicities or diversities, X, Y, and Z, or that they're, again, Asians are only smart, they're all good at math, or Indians are only work at gas stations and drive taxis and X, Y, Z, you just hear a stereotype without actually the real human behind it. Right. Um, and you don't have a valid justification of hearing them in other places, then you see this kind of almost bubble uh, and this echo chamber of what to expect if you don't have any real connection. So the best way to, to break those is to get people to travel, 
to meet other people and mm-hmm. obviously to meet other and interact with other diversities and get other things beyond just one set of media right. that you might've been having to explore actually. And, and that's always been really good because like I said, traveling was a great way for me to have a real life perspective of how lucky I am that I grew up in a country in America versus some other third world countries or even places in India that I have seen that are totally different. You see real poverty and things like that. And so they do impact you. And I think that impacts I don't know a good way to, to get someone to have that. <laughs> I guess this is all like, hey, if you just let me just take you to make you travel around the world real quick. So you can just yeah. <laughs> really, really open your eyes um, and see all these amazing things and, and learn all this stuff. And uh, but that's a great way to, to get there. But again, then we have to rely on the next thing, which is social media and Internet mm-hmm. and everything else. And that's been a double edged sword, mm-hmm. um, to be honest. It's It's gone both ways, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it's. That's really interesting. I was just going to say like, yeah, I've always felt like travel, if everyone in the world could just travel, like it would make the world such a better place because it, yeah, it just opens up your mind and your perspectives and yeah, it makes yeah. you either, you know, appreciate what you have or sometimes just see a different way of life. And yeah, I, I yeah. you know, travel is obviously expensive. So it's not like just a matter of being like, you need to travel more, you know, not everyone can afford that, but if you can, there's nothing better to to really help you understand people more and gain more empathy. Yeah. And that's why we want to like have these conversations is because I feel like it's just a safe space. Like I'm getting to learn more about your culture and your background and your upbringing. And it's just, it's just a good, you know, healthy thing. I think it's good to talk about it. And so, yeah. And, and, and debunk things and yeah, cause you know, there are stereotypes and stuff. And so just kind of just talk about it on a, on a real level. And, and like you said, who, who is the person, right? Not just like, what, what are they? Yeah. And I think for me, like I said, I never claimed to be an expert or the perfect example of all these things, but because I've grown, I think since I've lived long enough to see so much change, I think that's really the thing, seeing the change of how each of those cultures has happened. And that the fact that more people are willing to mix cultures and religions and spaces. And that's been a big positive, right? But um, even just how different communities are interacting. And I'll be honest, in the last 10 years, I've been more distant from my Indian community because I don't I don't really connect with them as much. I don't have anything to stay with them. Do I still have Indian friends um, here and there? Do I still have that? But nothing like I did when I was growing up that first 10, 20 years of life, right? That was the strongest connection to my culture when my parents were young and we were interacting with that those families and communities. And then as I grew and as I didn't get married to someone else of the same culture and community that wanted to keep that bond alive, I got more and more distant. Right. And that isn't a bad thing because it let me do other perspectives and things that I hadn't done. And I still have that core. And so one of the feedbacks I sometimes get when I do meet people who are Indian that are older than me or even something younger, like, Oh, you're, you know, you're American, but you still have that. You still have an Indian culture. You're like, you're still Indian underneath. I'm like, why would I not be Indian underneath? Because if I didn't, why would I not be that? But you just assume that I mustn't be because, again, stereotypes or expectations have been diverted that, oh, you speak the language and you you know about these things and you've know, done all this stuff. Like, you just don't know me. But again, you're making expectations that I couldn't have been this because of X, Y, and Z. And you'll never get away from that. And that'll always be maybe that slight sting. But that sting wears out over time and you kind of you kind of look to the future of how that's changed and, and look at the hope of where it is and knowing that at least things have gotten better for other people. It's probably maybe not you, it's a little too late for you, but the other people, <laughs> they're going to be okay. And that's all right too, because again, eventually you'll interact with those people um, and you'll talk with them and they'll be appreciative and you get to have that cultural diversity that and and laugh about some of these silly things that happen and how that comes apart and, and where it goes. And it's, yeah, it is still mind blowing like to me, because like I said, when I grew up, 
being the Indian person was such a stigma and like just being the different race or different ethnicity was such a thing to be bullied or being pushed away um, from other certain ethnic groups. Right. And now those ethnic groups are so blended and non it's non-issue. It's like, why would it doesn't matter? And, um, you know, a, uh, a friend of mine, we were talking about this about dating um, specifically. And I said, All right, I'm not saying anything, but like sometimes I date, you know, a few years younger than me uh, than I am. And I said, uh, you know, why do you not date people in your generation as much? And I said, well, look, my generation was kind of on the cusp. We're kind of something called the lost generation because I'm right in between the millennials and the boomers and and in between. And I'm still like in the millennial side. But it's this weird era where you just you just a lot of things are changing. The Internet was coming up. Cell phones were happening like technology was right. There's just so much that happened. Right. I keep blows my mind. That, like, you know, iPhones of like 2008, like. Really? There's only 12, 15 years ago? It feels like it was forever ago. Like you just, all these things happen so rapidly and accelerated. But one of the things I asked, I said about why I tend to date just a little bit younger is because the stigmas and the perspectives and the mindset of the people I date and they're closer to my age is not as open-minded or as willing. And they still have the, the concerns of like, what's your bio data? Who are you? Where are you from? what is your cast? What's your this? What's your that? Or I'm not sure if I'm open-minded to dating someone of a different ethnicity or this or that. Like, whereas I'm very open-minded because I grew up in such a diverse place and never, nothing really mattered to me. And then you just go five years lower or maybe, you know, somewhere between five years or somewhere five plus, we'll say, and the generation gap has happened and things have changed and the blending has happened and the understanding has happened and the diversity happens. And I say, when I look at like, Again, Zoomers and like the late millennials that are like, there, or the youngest millennials, I guess, that are there, are probably like 25 or 30, right? 20, somewhere there in that age range. They just don't have this concept that those things matter um, because it's so ubiquitous compared to what they've seen through the media, the internet, the movies, their neighborhoods, their families, their schools, like this concept and social, like all those things, they've been so bombarded that, again, those are not questions that they think about. So the blending and mixing of races and cultures and religions and things like that is just easier and smoother. And I think that's a good thing um, because a lot of people have more open choice and, and to not have to have what I've had to have being told I was born on the wrong day or that I wasn't having the right <laughs> job that was successfully okay to have. But again, when I was looking at my generation, those mindsets are still there. It's kind of like we make the jokes of like, you know, grandpa's still saying the racist stuff from back of there. And we just put him back in the corner because he doesn't know it's not okay to say that anymore. He didn't know that wasn't the right word, but did he change? Did he adapt? Did he realize this wasn't the right way? I have people who are in their 30, like 30-ish, like 30, somewhere around 30s. They are having troubling uh, dealing with this, the pronouns, right, issue that's been changed. I mean, town schools, like that's a thing for them. And they're like, this is dumb. I don't believe in this. This doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I work at a company and I'm required to say these. I have to do this for my last two companies. We have to start accepting pronouns and doing that. It wasn't a big deal because from my perspective, it was like, oh, this is just me being empathetic. I'm trying to be more understanding of a person and understand what can I do to make them feel comfortable and feel respected and valued and I don't need, it doesn't really bother me any, any, in any way. I, I don't know. What, what would you like me to call you? That's fine. But I'm not going to tell you that what you are isn't or isn't good enough or isn't the right thing, right? Instead of telling someone that they're, or being inquisitive of that pressure of like, where are you from? It's who are you? Of like, who are you and how can I help you? Um, and I think that mindset change of that is there. And again, are they wrong or not? I'm like, no, I think they just don't understand it yet. And then that sometimes is just a generational gap of like, I just don't get it. We've always done this for years. Why would we change it? 
You know, it's that it's that resistance to change and understanding because they weren't taught or grown up with it and they don't know why that would be there. But eventually something's they'll be there. And if not, I made fun of my friends like, well, we'll just roll you into the old folks home just like the other people. I'll just go put you in the put you in the corner because you might say something inappropriate that might not be okay when you're 85 years old. And they'll just like, no, no, no. They still use he and they. I mean, he and she. We we can't let them do that anymore. Hold on. We, we, they don't use pronouns. Like, I don't know. It could be something like that as a joke. But I, I think I think people forget that they have to adapt to changing times and what's acceptable. And that's a whole different topic um, that could go about. But I think this is something that comes up. As I think about culture, the culture has changed. What's acceptable and not acceptable has changed, both within your culture and a culture you're being forced to live in, blend in. And if you want to stay... If you want to stay in the good graces of people who are eventually going to be there below you and you have to mentor and train and help with, you need to also understand them and always keep that. As long as you're willing to make the effort to understand people, regardless of where they come from, you're always going to be in a good state. We're nearing the end of the interview, but we always like to end with a few just fun culture questions. And we generally start with food. Can you tell us some of your favorite Indian foods? Yes. Uh, my favorite Indian food is uh, butter chicken or chicken tikka masala, uh, but neither of those are actually from India. They're from Britain. Uh, <laughs> so, but like they're, they're made there, but they're not really from it. Technically, they're now known as the best Indian dishes, but it's still my favorite. I love that. But tandoori chicken, non, basically North Indian cuisine is some of my favorite. Um, and I grew up eating that food constantly, but non and butter chicken and like um, sock paneer or... Um, uh, bindi masala, which is okra, like spiced okra. Um, mm. Some of my all favorite, and I get those cuts constantly. Um, I also cook it every now and then, but some of my favorite foods. Very cool. Okay. So another one we like to ask is, uh, who is your favorite Indian celebrity? And it could be Indian American. Oh my God. <laughs> That's hard actually now, because I used to know so many of them through Bollywood and movies when I was younger, right? And I'd be like, oh, this girl's so cute. This is my favorite. I don't know. <laughs> you're, like, you're like 10 years old watching like these a, you know, attractive actresses like, oh my God, she's, she's the problem. I'm going to marry her. Like, I have no idea. Uh, but now I can't really even think of anything. Honestly, I can't think of any Indian actor, but you know what? I'll go back to my first statement is like, um, I don't know if they're my favorite actor, but again, I really love the acting and, and what they did in the never have I ever series of how they, how they really portrayed some of the things. And I think they did a good job. So I will give them a plus on, on that. Very cool. Very okay. cool. And then can you tell us, is there something that you, I guess, used to do when you went to India regularly that you would never do in the U.S. or that, I don't know, just maybe wouldn't be acceptable in the U.S.? Oh, man. Uh, there's probably two things that come to my mind. I think I would never really throw trash on the ground, but the amount of trash that was being thrown constantly on the ground and with no concern was such a problem. I think that slowly finally changed a little bit. But in India, I think... I think the other one that really sticks in my mind is the fact that of having servants, right? In India, you could have servants for so little, like almost nothing. And I remember a very striking incident where there was a servant and something didn't go right. And I became a horrible human being. I remember this because I like got very mad and I stomped on this, this servant boy's like foot. And I was like 10 or 12. Like I wasn't very old either, not much older than the guy. And I felt like, how could I do this? Like I didn't grow up this. I would never do this in the US. I would never retaliate against someone that was again, I hate to say the word servant, but like uh, that be helping and supporting me in my life, but it's such a cruel thing. And I'm like, how did my personality change in that one instance? And I immediately knew I did something wrong. 
And I, and I went back and I apologized because I would never do that, but it was a very eye-opening moment of realizing that even with the best foundation and the best thinking and coming from America where you would never have servants or I mean, you'd have butlers or things like that, but not officially a servant, but you would never just retaliate in such a way against someone that was just trying to find or help you in such a way. Like, and I'm like, how did myself change? How did I, I would, I really started questioning had I grown up in India and I had this, this, uh, I guess, culture or, or ability to have servants and things like that. And this lifestyle, would I have become such a different person? Would I have become something I would have hated? I wondered that at that moment, like, oh my God, I could have, because I just did something I would never would have done ever before. And yet here I was retaliating a little bit against this, this kid who was barely older than me. And I thought it was okay for that moment because I let my anger control me. I thought this was okay because the actions of my elder and those told me that this person was beneath me and that this was a person that could be replaced or is needed, but they served you. And that power struggle or that power dynamic is was very, very just not a good thing, right? It made you treat people in a poor way. And obviously we know that happens in the US and different, whether you're at a job or you're at a service department or whatever way, people get this hint of power and they realize they can retaliate against others that are less fortunate or may not have the same risk or the same status. And they exude it naturally because it's some way that allows them to do it. And you all think, wow, these people are horrible human beings. And then in that moment, I became that person for a second. And I had to backtrack and go back. And so it was a very deep revealing moment to me of questioning of should, is it okay to always be so upset at people? Because sometimes it wasn't just them. It might've been their circumstances that got them to be who they were, that put them into that place. And that gets into a lot about why certain cultures or certain uh, ethnicities or some people born and raised in certain areas become certain ways because of their environment more than anything else and how much of an impact that does have on how you are raised. Even if you have the best of intentions and the best of personalities and the best of it could flip that fast when you're young until those things are really situated. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a little bit deeper of a question than yeah. you probably wanted, but like, yeah. there you I just go. To go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was, that was a very defining moment. Uh, I guess the other fun one is I would never drive. Like I drive there. <laughs> so, so like you'd probably get killed because you don't roads don't matter and you just do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a deeper one. And I think it, it gives me again, this questioning of, who are you really? Is it really just you or is it really just you in the time and place and what you've experienced and solidify and, and make commitments on yourself? This is who I want to be day in and day out. How long can I stick to that before something else changes me to be different? I got, yeah, that got deeper than I yeah, expected. It to. Deep, pre- I like I appreciate I like, this pr- yeah. the perspective. I guess we'll, we'll end on like a kind of a lighthearted one is like, do you have like a happy place or just a, a thing that reminds you, I don't know, when you're in India, that's like, oh yeah, that was just like, that's just a great memory. Oh, you know, I do. Um, there's a two things that come immediately. One is like, uh, there was always a park. There's really beautiful parks that they have in India that you could go kind of go around with and see. And that has a lot of memories for different reasons, because when I was young, I was stuck there. I was always going to the park or doing something. So a lot of that was there and coming in. But the other one that really was neat was going to the temples in India, the giant marble statues and buildings and all the Okay, you know, you can go to Italy and see the Vatican, and you can see these religious sculptures for Christianity and all this stuff. You can go to Europe and see amazing things and buildings for like Notre Dame and and you know, and you can go to other places, but but I have never been to one place that had so much spirituality for my religion in in a way at the time. And just seeing how 
that culture and religion and the flowers are always there and the smells that the incense they would burn and like how beautiful the structures were and all of that was just so amazing. And I always had such a good moment that I always feel most at calm there. I always felt calm. Now, do I always feel calm in like a Sunday school temple or worship? I'm like, no, I never care about that. I just wanted to play around and hang out with friends. But there at those buildings, it was very, very reminiscing. Um, and very spiritual for me in a little bit, just even if I'm not as religious as I used to be, it was just nice. And it was such a common place for me to belong where no one would judge me for my culture because this was my religion. And I was an Indian in India in a place where I could be common. No one was going to say something to me. And it was that I think that I held on to a little bit. Awesome. That's a great, like full circle. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you, Anand, so much for like your great answers. It was really in depth and I, I got to learn so much about Indian culture and just your background and um, we just really appreciate you taking the time to join us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. I did. It was a really great time. I, I really enjoyed answering those questions and I'm glad I, I hopefully brought some new information and ideas to you and your listeners. Thanks again to Anuj for taking the time to speak with us. It was so interesting to learn more about his Indian culture and how that has shaped him as a human being. We'd like to thank you listeners for tuning in for another episode. This wraps up our inaugural season of Culture in Between, but you can go back and listen to previous episodes at your convenience. We'd also appreciate it if you left us a rating or review and shared the show with others you think might be interested. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the show as much as we've enjoyed interviewing our guests. Stay tuned for season two, where we get the honor of sharing more stories. Peace. Peace.